Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean. Thanks for joining us. That's right. We'll talk about financial matters. A little bit about what's going on in the current economic world. A lot about longer-term planning stuff and how government legislation can affect oh. your financial planning. <laughs> Another example this week. Holy uh, we talked about this on the. Uh, we've had questions about this over the years from both our clients in our office or future clients that were coming to visit with us, as well as people on the radio show around student loans. We're going to discuss that after we take a couple calls, and uh, we'll dig into it a little bit. But wow. before we dig, we can't do it, Scott. Can't what? We got to take these calls. Yeah, I know. People waiting. <laughs> what, I, as much as you want. To, we can't talk about the student loan thing yet. I know you want to. <laughs> we don't want to get too political either. Just, um, but it yeah, is I a, do want to. It's been very disturbing. Look, look. It, we'll talk about how legislative issues are, can affect your personal financial. It's planning. not legislative. Okay. <laughs> okay. It, anyway, <laughs> executive. I would feel better about it. Let's anyway. just say executive. It was the executive branch, not the yeah. legislative branch. But you know, see, here's a, so we're looking forward to taking some calls. We've got some calls uh, today. We're, we're going to talk, talk about, about money, four hundred one ks, IRAs. You have questions about life insurance. Someone's pitching you a product, a big fat, um, you know, non traded real estate investment trust, or some sort of fancy life insurance policy that can do double backflips and make you rich overnight. Bank on yourself. That's the one that I love the most. Bank on yourself. Here's Borrow one. money from yourself. What? What if you don't have any? <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, why do you need a life insurance to borrow from? Can't you just keep money in the bank and not borrow at all and spend that when you need it? Anyway. Anyway. So ca- there's a, well, look, usually those things. Like, look, there's a thousand ways to put lipstick on a pig. And yeah. financial services industry is, I mean, the, what if you said if we were if we were chefs? Would, would oh no, be this dead? is yeah. If, if if financial services industry was the food industry in America, most of Americans would be dead. That's, that's <laughs> right. It, it, it is it, it and and by and large, look, there are many many products that there are things wrong with. There are many many products that there is nothing wrong with, but they're sold to the wrong people in the wrong way. Yes, for sure. I mean, most specifically, look, there is a place for annuities in the industry, in some consumers, but the way they're sold and how they're used. Anyway, if you'd like to join the show, 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-999-6784. And if you're listening in a podcast, give us a call. We'll schedule you and us to be together in the near future. That's correct. Let's go to Brian. Starting off here with Brian. Brian, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. How you doing? We're great. How you doing, Brian? Good, good. Okay, my question is, um, my mother is 84 years old, and she's attempting to sell her only house that she's owned. She bought it in 1960 for $15,000. Wow. Okay. She's attempting to sell it for $750,000. Uh-huh. And she she's moving to another town, and she wants to immediately buy another house for the five hundred thousand dollar range. Okay, and what's so your my call? Okay, oh, go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. Um, so I so I'm looking at this thinking it uh, capital gains tax here. Exactly. Um, Is she moving closer to you? Not that often. You see yeah, someone she's who's moving, been this um, from the Bay Area to Modesto, where I live. Okay, okay, so she's moving to be closer to you. Not very often you see someone yes. been in the same house 50 years at 84 just decided to, to move. Um, and <laughs> w- w- did your father live in there at any point in time? Yeah, he did. Uh, he passed away about uh, 17 years ago, I think. Okay, years. so 2005. What do you think the house was worth in 2005? It's really hard to say. It was. Uh, I would say it was probably closer to 500000 Okay. So let's assume the house is worth five hundred thousand when your father passed away. Let's assume it was worth two fifty. It's worth seven fifty today, right? 
What, we can yeah. assume whatever. Let's assume okay. it's worth five. Whatever. Okay. So what happens in community property, that's a Tilton community property, which I'm, we're assuming this was, a surviving spouse receives property with a tax basis that has stepped up to the fair market value at that time. Okay. So whether it's a primary residence like this or it's a stock in Chevron that they've owned since 1960 or whatever, that asset is stepped up in value. In most circumstances, if it is yes. properly titled. And we will make the assumption that this was properly titled. Um, titled in order to accomplish that. Because it could have been in a bypass trust that, anyway. But odds are, assuming that, so that any sort of capital gain would only be based upon what the value of the home was worth when your dad passed away. Um, the difference between that plus any improvements and what she nets out of the sale today. So okay. my guess is there will be no capital gains on this. In fact, well, if it's worth five hundred, there won't be any. Well, but, but he said he said that the, when it's right now, it's worth seven fifty. Correct? Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. So uh-huh. she gets two hundred fifty thousand dollars exemption. Yeah. Personal exemption. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they might have a little. Yeah, I would. I mean, find out from your mother what what was done when your father passed away and how yeah. the things titled and see if she has any recollection. And they might have a uh, little. She, yeah, I don't think she did anything, you know, except remove his name. Mean, like, yeah, remove. Uh, well, here, I mean, you could have look. It used to be that we were only permitted six hundred thousand dollars of exemption uh, before we had estate taxes due upon our death. So there were there were trusts that were written. Uh, really in the 90s, oftentimes that would create what's called a bypass trust automatically with half the assets when the first spouse passed away. So it could have been such that when your dad passed away, this house went into a bypass trust. Yes. Yeah. And maybe it's not, and maybe it wouldn't qualify for the primary exemption uh we don't, that she would have otherwise. Yeah. That's only, I mean. That, that's, that would be pretty rare for. I've seen it personally. Seen Understand. that situation. Yes, but but it it's it's there are some yeah there's some outliers though. So you want to make sure yeah. So what you need is a a good quality accountant to kind of walk you through this. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, she was just worried that she'd be paying the capital gains on seven hundred fifty thousand, and she you know we didn't know. Oh exactly. no, there might be something there. There could be a hundred or so, or two hundred thousand dollars in capital gains. There might be a little bit there. She's moving out of the Bay Area to Modesto. Is that what you said? Yes. Uh-huh. And, and her house is only worth seven hundred and fifty thousand in the San Francisco Bay Area. Well, in Hayward. Okay. She's not in the greater okay. San Francisco okay. area. All right, but so. she's she's moving to Modesto, which is what is it? Wealth, water, contentment. Is that Modesto's? Yeah. Right. That's what yeah. They say. <laughs> that is that's what they say. <laughs> but then you think got to think about these people where they're putting this. So if you, uh, I've driven through Modesto. It's a small town in the Central Valley, and right over there's this big arch that looks like it was made in the fifties, yeah. and it says wealth, water, contentment. And I'm thinking, man, that is one big bold statement right there. Are <laughs> you driving sure into is. town just telling everyone there's wealth here? There's water, and you'll be content. Dang it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, appreciate the call, Brian. Hope call. it works well with All your right. mother moving to, okay. to see you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Appreciate you know, it's interesting how, Pat, how cities change. I, my wife and I were in Austin, Texas uh, over the weekend, Saturday. Um, actually, we had we went, we met with this couple that she lived with us when she was 25. We knew her. I think she babysat her kids when she was in high school and then had moved back to the area and was finishing college. And so she lived with us for like two years. Uh, we've had a few of these. Know, it's always you know, like, <laughs> like your wife goes around collecting <laughs> these young <laughs> people. <laughs> totally. Anyway, so she met her fiance while anyway, she lived with us. Um, they got married. We hosted the reception at our house, but we hadn't seen them in eight years. We went and visited them. They had uh, their, their house with their just oh. had their third son, and it was really anyway. That's a completely different story, but it's just you know, that's kind of funny. You're like, man, I'm old now. Well, there was that. <laughs> I did kind of think about the circle of life and all that. <laughs> but um, but Austin, Texas, I hadn't been there in several years, and that town is on fire. I mean, it's the amount of cranes there, and I was just thinking, it's interesting how different cities, they, they, they tend to go through these seasons. Some never do, like poor Modesto we just talked about. Um, <laughs> but others will have a, a they'll run for a while. They're the hot place. I mean, right now, Austin's hot. Denver's hot. Um, uh, Nashville's hot. Right. Those are the kind now, of 
now, but probably like San not. Francisco was what in the late '90s, early 2000s, right? When the dot com boom, it was on fire. Up until four, three, four years ago, it was absolutely on fire. Um, you know, it's just economies change, countries change, cities change. Yeah, people change, but not a lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, we get better at controlling our uh, our impulses that aren't necessarily healthy. Okay. <laughs> like, do you not think so? Or, I mean, you look at a two-year-old, it's quite obvious, the okay. selfish nature, right? You get all the, you, you learn how to control that a little. Okay, I'll go with that. We're probably still at the heart of it. Okay, well, let's uh, back enough of the psychology yeah. and all on right. to the clients. Let's, uh, we're talking to Vanessa in California. Vanessa, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi there. Hi, Vanessa. I'm do- How are you guys doing? Good. What can we do for you, Vanessa? Um, yeah, so um, I have a question in regards to my student loans. Oh, perfect um, I timing. Recently- <laughs> I know. <laughs> it couldn't have come at the perfect time. No, I know. We just yeah. started the show and everything. All right. Yeah, Yeah. so um, I have a massive student loan amount, so I'm in debt a massive amount. Um, I have two master's degrees, and so went to college abroad and then um, came back and went to USC. So as you can imagine, it's a large amount, uh-huh. <laughs> but I recently came into some money and I was debating whether or not I should um, pay them off directly. Cause I do have a really high interest rate for student loans uh-huh. right now. How much do you owe on student loans? Uh, current payoff would be 146,000. Okay. And, um, and how much money did you come into? Um, it's a, like, it's a settlement um, around like four hundred. Okay, and do you have a? Are you currently? Is the settlement taxable or non-taxable? Non-taxable. Okay. okay. So you got a net of four hundred. Are you employed? I'm currently employed. Yes. How much do you make? I make ninety thousand. Okay. And how much of this one forty six is government loans? It's all government. So the the tricky thing too is I was on um, the public service loan forgiveness, uh-huh. um, and they were counting payments. And then something happened. Once the new administration came in, they took away some of the payments. So I was like, oh my god! So I haven't been paying on the principal. It's just been interest. So it started off with a hundred thousand dollars, like once like I got out of grad school, and then it's grown on that amount. Okay. So it was, so it's like. And have you made payments the last two and a half years since COVID when they put a pause on payments? Um, I've been, I believe I've been, the payment was paused, but it still counted. Oh, the, so so like the interest, the interest but, continued to accrue. But, but you, were you, you making payments or not making payments? I wasn't making any payments, but the interest wasn't accruing at that time. It so was not. I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. It's zero. Uh, how but old are it, you? I'm 37. And what are the prospects wait, for? Wait, wait, wait. The interest, was the interest still accruing or not accruing? Not accruing during the, the Okay, time. that's right. And uh, what are the prospects for your income to go up in the future? Pretty good. Like in terms of career? Yeah, like in five years, are you going to make uh, 200 grand a year, 150? What do you think? Probably one, hopefully 200, but maybe 150. Okay. So, I mean, so the, what was just announced this week, um, the, uh-huh. the student forgiveness loan, student loan, had a, had, there's a number of things in there. So one was, yeah, yeah one was $10,000 for just about anybody that has a uh, <clears throat> loan, as long as their income was less than 125 single or 250 of married. But then there was another 10 grand for Pell Grants. Did you, did you qualify for yeah. that? I do qualify. Okay. For so you got 20 grand was just um, forgiven for Knocked you. Off. But the yeah. bigger issue in there. And we'll see if this stuff doesn't get challenged in quarter one. But the, the the real nugget in this that I've only seen written about in one place is that um, you're you're only required to make payments of five percent of your discretionary income. Exactly. And yeah, after ten right. and after ten years, that's forgiven. I yeah. yeah, I think it's determined. It's dependent on the the payment plan that you choose. So some are like. 10 years, some are 20 years. No, no, that's this what is it new. used to that's what it used to be. Now, oh, okay, okay. I'm not a legal expert. Right. I haven't read this, the actual So so it, it just order. it's being it's being dripped out a little bit and it just, you know, we're we're taping this thing on uh, what day is it? Thursday. Thursday afternoon. And it was uh and it was announced Wednesday. So yesterday. Yeah. So we haven't yesterday. dug into it too much, but here's what it looks like. That 
Um, and, and the discretionary is not all income. It's income above a certain amount. Yeah. So, Scott, before we answer this question, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to do a disclaimer to the rest of the listeners because, so that we don't get tons of hate mail. Well, we're conflicted. <laughs> Right, we no, are conflicted. Look, look, I'm conflicted as well. No, right. So here's <laughs> okay. Look, look. First of all, I we were going to talk about this later on, and this was just perfect stance that you actually called in, and maybe you could join in the conversation. Um, the disclosure to our to the listeners is: Look, Vanessa called in about her own situation, asking for our help, and our job is to help Vanessa, regardless. I shouldn't say how we feel morally because there are well, lines no, I in think the sand. It's, I mean, we're taxpayers, number one. We're financial <laughs> advisors also, right? right. So, yeah. Um, and whether it's this student loan issues or it's how to maximize your Social Security or how to pay less in taxes or how to pay, how to pay less in taxes. <laughs> not to cheat. Or how to maximize your government pension. Not to cheat. We're in the military. How do you bridge some of these things? Yeah, it's not to cheat. It's not to not follow the rules. It's it like, is to exploit the rules to the maximum when you play, benefit for the client. When you play Monopoly, you sit down. What are the rules? What do we? You abide by the rules, and you try to take out your name. That's just how the game's played. That's how it's played. So how I feel about the advice I'm going to give you, <laughs> I'm conflicted. So uh, Vanessa's your younger sister. Vanessa's your daughter. Okay. I was, Could I be. Had, I had children quite young. I right. would have had children quite young. That's possible. My daughter. You're, so, you're what, 59? <laughs> yeah, so I was she 22. Could, yeah, she could easily okay. be. Many parts of the world you would have had many by this Yeah, time. and she loves her dad. <laughs> so, you would state, don't pay don't pay a dime. Pay as little as you possibly can. Pay that can. 5% of and, a discretionary and, and, income. And especially if, if you don't think you're going to be making, you know, you said hopefully 150000 maybe two. How high is the highest interest rate? My interest rate, if once it goes back, once the pause ends, it's seven point nine percent. What? Who knows what what's going to happen now, though? I mean, it's True. just everything. So, uh, I would apply for everything that absolutely applied to these loans in terms of forgiveness, deferral, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. every uh, part of it. Now, th- there's a chance that there's a lawsuit. A judge puts a pause on this, Scott. But I don't know who's going to file the lawsuit. She owns she owes $146,000. You know, unless they go back and start looking at the assets, I wouldn't dive into those assets to, to pay down these loans. And and this isn't new advice we've been giving to clients. I remember sitting down with a children of an existing client, and he was 26 and had married a young lady, and they both had $150,000 in student loans. And I said, don't. Pay as little as possible. Now, here's the here's the challenge as you're stating this, right? Because as a taxpayer, and we, I guarantee this is paid. Anyway, this is, so let's finish. I'm sorry, Scott. Let's finish up with Vanessa, and we'll let you go, Vanessa, when we continue this conversation. But apply for everything. Then what you most likely are going to end up doing is paying this uh, this 5% of discretionary income, and these numbers will come out the next week. Don't. At this point in time, plan on using any of that $400,000 to pay down this loan. Not a penny. I would wait. Right? Okay. And in fact, I would invest that money for the long term. So I would maximize your uh, your uh, 401k 401k. or 403b at work. And I would actually then uh, start funding a Roth IRA. And it might make sense for you to sit down with a qualified advisor and do a little bit of financial planning. That's my next step because I'm like, I don't know what to do with this money. I'm like... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What you don't want to do, sit down with someone that's qualified. This is this is life changing for you and your retirement, mm-hmm. and you should treat this as retirement money. Okay. All righty. Yeah. That's good advice. Thanks. Cool. Vanessa. Thanks. And by this is a perfect segue into what the conversation about this because look, it it it, it is painful for me to even state that. Right? To, to answer that question. Correct. And, and look, and Vanessa is, I, and frankly. Frankly, I'll be totally trans. I am. I, I was so upset yesterday about this. My wife is kind of like, "What is?" I'm like, "Where does this stuff end?" I, you look at the education system. They keep. We've had what I, I read nine thousand new master's degrees have been created in the last twenty years, right? So these these education institutions, they have all kinds of crazy degrees regarding nothing. It's not going to help you get a job. And taxpayers say, oh, no problem. Here, sign up, young kid. Go get yourself a dorm. Have a keger party. Go to study the humanities, whatever well, it is. But, but Vanessa went overseas. She studied abroad. 
Do you think studying abroad? Look, it, it's sure it's culturally enlightening. It's wonderful. It's it, a luxury. Look, it is a luxury. <laughs> Not the luxury the government should be paying for. Just too- I would have. I would have been. I would have felt better if they dealt with these. The problem, the root problem, is the fact that we allow these kids at 18 years old to sign up for tens of thousands of dollars worth of student loans when it, it we can care. We don't. No one cares if they actually have the ability to finish college. Number one, right? Yep. They may not be. Yeah, some people just. Yeah, it's yeah. hard. Yeah, they may not be able to finish college. Number one, it took me number twice. Two, we don't care. What kind of degree it's in? It doesn't have it can to be ba- uh, basket weaving degree. We don't care, uh, and we just give them all this money. And then, oh wow, what do you know? They've they've racked up one hundred and twenty thousand dollars in debt, and they can't get a job. That's really sad. We should forgive their loan. Yeah. And and the worst thing of this of what happened this week was not the ten or twenty thousand dollars. It's the fact that it's this new. You only have to pay five percent of your. Um, disposable income and after 10 years it's forgiven some estimates say this is a trillion dollar transfer that well scott look it is and think about this so a married couple two hundred fifty thousand dollars a lot of money (laughs) how i don't know what the percentage of families are making 250 or more it's a lot of money but there's a whole lot of there's families that are making eighty thousand dollars that are paying that are the ones given yeah it's not like the government has any money so Scott, here's the with thirty look, trillion dollars look, in debt. Look, we have been saying this for years and years and years. That look, if there, if if the if money, the cost of money is too cheap, the cost of the if the money, the cost of money is cheap, the or cost free, of the product goes, goes up, up, which goes is why up. we've seen the inflation in colleges, right? Which is why we've it. seen inflation in colleges is because of the student loans and the grants because. They got all kinds of crazy departments. You've all read them. They're crazy. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Like, look at home prices dropping right now. Why are home prices dropping? Everyone? Anyone? Anyone out there? Why are home prices dropping? Because the cost of money went up. The cost of money went up, right? Mortgages are more expensive. Buys less. Right? Buys less, right? So we saw this in every, you know, commodity pricing. if 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 there appears to be, first of all, no risk... Right, which is where we saw the housing boom in the right in the two thousand. Money got really low, zero. Right, <laughs> and before then, they would lend anyone money without any didn't underwriting. Didn't matter. Didn't it? Wouldn't matter if you had the ability to repay. That's exactly what it's happened. One hundred percent. One hundred percent the same. One hundred percent the same. And think about this. So, by the way, if you're still listed as a, a dependent on your parents' tax return, you don't qualify. So, what? Think about this. You got three students all graduated at the same time. Two are employed at jobs that are doing well. One is not. The one still claimed as the dependent. That person does not have the forgiveness. Yeah. The two that have great jobs have the forgiveness of debt. Yes. Well, actually, the kid that's the dependent, oh, it's because it's based on last year's tax return. And yeah. your parents. But think about this. Uh, Scott, y- you know my brothers. There's there's four of us and then my sister in the family. Two of them did not go to college. One is a heavy diesel mechanic. He works his butt off, works for a large utility, heavy I diesel mechanic. I bet he mechanic. makes a good living. He makes a good living, right? But he worked as a tradesman, as an apprentice for years in order to become the job he's got. We all love to chase our passion. I spoke at a at a high school recently, and and this kid don't, by the way, have me come and speak at your high school because it's not necessarily the message the high school students want to hear. <laughs> when the, they said, you know, I heard that if you do what you love, you'll be successful, and I said, define success. Like you know, money, nice living. Well, that's garbage. That's absolute garbage. I said most people end up in jobs that they don't do what they love. They do what works. If they're lucky, they do what they're good at and that they kind of have an interest in or some sort of a passion. But if you just chase your dreams, come on. Are you out of your mind? You know how many musicians are playing small town bars on Fridays and Saturday nights that wanted to- Is this what you told all these poor kids? Angry McLean? Yeah. (laughs) So do not. (laughs) I was already feeling bad about my future. No. And then McLean comes in and talks to me. I just I'm not. I was not going to continue the story of just 
follow your passions, do what you love, which is, look, that's what a lot of the college, just take whatever class you think might interest you into graduating with a degree. That's a luxury. That is a luxury. This whole four years, that whole concept is, it's broken. Anyway, student loans. Anyway. Look. Let's relate to this. I remember a couple years ago, someone called, should I get a student loan? Like, if you qualify, get a loan. Absolutely. Because it might be forgiven. Here we are. And look, that financially, you hear our advice about Social Security. If you don't need it, take it. If you don't need it, take it. Same concept. Same concept. I don't like it. I don't like giving this advice, but anyway, we'll be right back. This is All Worth Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean, thanks for sticking with us. Um, yeah. As we veer back into the topic of personal finance, we talked about yes. economic finance. And, 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 but quite frankly, I tried to veer back into personal finance. There is no way you can separate national finance from your own personal finance in any country in which you live. Oh, 100%. You're you really cannot. You, it, 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 it is a large driver of decision-making. Um, how, you, how you conduct business. It is how you save for Who retirement. Who you work for. And, and, you know, if you're thinking, why is that? You know, how, how could you get away with saying that? Taxation or lack of taxation is a large uh, has a large ability to actually influence or uh, discourage types of behavior, which they is, use the tax code for that sort of well, thing. Which is why you you actually see lots of taxes on alcohol and, and cigarettes. cigarettes and other things, and even even petroleum products, gasoline, in order to, to discourage that use. And you see tax breaks on things where they try to encourage like a mortgage yes. deduction or deferral of taxes on four hundred one k green or yes, electric cars, all those windmills, all those things, right? And so we've moved one step beyond a taxation in terms of encouraging and discouraging behavior, which are grant programs uh, or programs that you pay into and then take money out of student loans, government grants, business grants. Um, social security is a, is a program that you pay money, uh, and take money out of. Um, and now what we're seeing is that the, it it has moved past the tax code and further and further into this administrative, um, and and legislative and legislative, uh, direct funding of particular businesses. By the way, oftentimes it's the government. I was troubled by the, uh, chip bill that had broad support on both sides of the house. Yeah. The chip industry is already kind of solving this problem, and now we're going to – the government's going to decide which company gets billions of dollars? Yeah, let the market. But – so um, – By the way, I spent – I had to go to the DMV. Did I mention this? No. I went to the DMV, and I was already expecting a bad experience. I had to go twice. That wasn't a good experience. My, my Kind of my bad. I had a – I actually had a great – I barely waited. They were so friendly. I could not believe it. Because I would usually use that as there's government at its finest. And I had a nice experience at the DMV. Thank you. I'm going again next month, baby. <laughs> I'm not going. Hey, if you need your car registered, call Hanson. He'll go down and register <laughs> was, your I car I was terrified of going. <laughs> He's like, listen, you need some errands done. Scott opened this new business called DMVs or Us. <laughs> and you just yeah, give, give me him. The, the power of attorney, <laughs> limited power of attorney. I'll do the He'll DMV work there. for he you. He enjoys the DMV so much. Um, anyway, so personal. Maybe f- my expectations were so low. Oh, I it didn't take much to exceed them. <laughs> Because I, I felt beat up last time I was there. <laughs> You're like, oh, anyway. So personal finance. Um, we are a personal finance yeah. show. <laughs> Excuse me. If you'd like to join the show, eight three three ninety nine worth. That's eight three three triple nine six seven eight four. Yeah, and we want to talk about target date funds because they are massive. They are in just about everyone's four hundred one k plans, and um, they're used quite a bit. So. We've asked Brian James to join us. Uh, Brian is a certified financial planner with uh, Allworth Financial, and he's a regional director um, with our Cincinnati office. So, Brian, glad you're with us. Thanks again for uh, the chance to talk to you a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, g- briefly, what's a target date fund, and you know, uh, and, and and what other names do they go by? Yeah. 
Oh yeah, target date funds have a lot have a lot of fun names, don't they? There, it, 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 there's a lot of marketing slathered on top of it. So these are the ones where you log into your company's 401k or your 403b or what have you. Even the even the federal TSA has some cutesy names for them, but they'll be like the Life Path funds or the Glide Path or Target Date or uh, you know there's a number of different things they go by. But the whole point of them, they're intended to be what I like to call the Kellogg's Variety Pack of uh, of investments based on what you're looking for. So uh, there's a couple ways. My kids love the Kellogg's Variety Pack. That's like once a year I I buy them for them. Absolutely. It was a big treat for me. I'm 48 years old, and I still remember no. that on vacation we time. Brought we back get a box of those. And, <laughs> on <know>. vacation, right? <laughs> your thing about fighting with your siblings of who All gets what. Who gets I don't want the corn pops. Oh, listen, the you cocoa, take the corn pops. The Cocoa Krispies, you go in the night before. It's the only time ever that you'd actually get up early and hit the kitchen. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, well, as we lost uh, our train of thought again. so. But we all agree that nobody liked the Apple Jacks. Throw those away. Okay. um, But yeah, so target date funds, it's a target date fund is a fund of funds usually. In other words, it is one mutual fund that owns a bunch of different ones. The name of the target date fund will usually have a year in the title. So 2045, 2050, 2055, something like that. That name, that number is roughly coinciding with the year that uh, somebody who might want to invest in that fund, the year that they might retire. So the whole point is it's one place where you can put your money and uh, it will already be geared from a risk standpoint toward when you might need to touch those dollars. Okay, so um, bringing that theory forward, uh, the closer you get to retirement, the more conservative the fund becomes, which means the more – bond it will have in the portfolio, regardless of market conditions at the time that you're actually making that change. Correct. Whenever we talk about risk in the investment world, I mean, there's lots of ways to slice and dice it, but but the most common way of referring to it is how, how much stock do you own versus how much on the bond side, on the fixed income side, because bonds tend to be safer than stocks. This is a crazy period of time where every right now it feels like everything's a little bit scary, but over the long haul, which is what we're talking about with retirement, generally bonds are something you use as a way to tap the brakes on, a, on an aggressive uh, equity portfolio. So if you mix you know, half stocks and half bonds, that's a good solid portfolio that will get you a decent amount of growth, but won't necessarily uh, keep up with the overall stock market. You're sacrificing something to get there. But anyway, a target date fund is, is the idea is it's a way to throw just to have one fund. It's a, to prevent you from having to choose, build your own portfolio from this fund, that fund, 10% here, 5% there, all those confusing things that, that really cause people to say, forget it. I'll deal with this another time. And then what happens is you've never set up your 401k and you've missed a year or two of, of market growth and contribution distributions and so forth. So target date funds were intended to be a place where you could easily push a button and, and get what you needed. It and when, I, when my daughter was 16, their first job, I funded a Roth IRA for her at the end of the year. I used a target date fund. So I got broader diversification. It was a tiny investment relative. You know, and, but it sounds perfect. Why wouldn't I use a target or why yeah. would I, or why wouldn't I use a target? Give me argument right. for and against. Yeah, so so I, I, the argument for is what Scott just said. I did the same thing for my now 21-year-old. When you got a few thousand dollars, not that much going on. We just need to get started. You can't put $22 into this fund and $5 into that fund. Target date is a great way to do that. And you're generally safer on the more aggressive ones. They're just going to own all stocks. If you're looking at a 2050, 2060, it's going to be an aggressive fund. Um, but when you get closer to your retirement goal. That's when you want to be more fine-tuned, right? The way I always explain this to my clients is if you're if you're a young person, you're basically standing on the on the tee box of a 600-yard golf hole. There is little a uh, little question which club you're going to pull out. You're going to pull out the fat one and swing out of your shoes. When you get closer to the green, you might need your nine iron, you might need your chipping wedge, you might need your sand wedge, you might need to be more specific. That's when a target day fund may not make sense because you got to really look under the hood. Uh, a lot of times, as I mentioned earlier, these are a fund of funds. So therefore, there are multiple mutual funds involved, whether you know it or not. A lot of times, those funds underneath can have really high built-in expenses. Again, not a big deal for a 16-year-old with a few thousand bucks in, uh, but when you're talking a couple hundred, maybe over a million bucks in these things, then that adds up to an awful lot of money where you can save yourself you know, almost sometimes a five-digit number over time by simply being more specific and using the individual choices that you have available. And if you're confused by that, that's what a financial advisor 
advisor and a financial plan will help you figure out, first of all, what are my options with those target date funds? Are they worth it? And if not, can I be more specific and benefit from building my own portfolio from scratch? I got yeah. it. And, you know, I they I'll, really don't work well outside of retirement plans. And they work terrible outside of retirement plans. Because you can't, you no, no control over anything withdrawals. There's no tax control of your taxation. And yeah, when they rebalance the portfolio, you have no control yes. over. In fact, there was a large settlement with one of the big companies recently. Yeah. Um, they were trying to be helpful by, by bringing but, down the, uh, the, uh, the uh, minimum for their lower cost. Anyway, they switched, whatever it was. And what happened is people turned around and said, well, why did we pay these taxes? And they're like, well, this. This is how the fund's designed. I mean, it's going to make this move every year, whether you pay taxes or not. And anyway, they, I, I, I was in, I kind of felt bad for Vanguard there, uh, but there was probably a lack of disclosure to the uh, consumers. They were that, trying to do something good for the shareholders. And yeah, they ended up yes. them, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but the other thing that I will point out about that I don't like about the target date funds is the Inside of that particular fund is all is typically all the mutual funds of that fund complex, and some right, yeah, it, it, it's multi layers of uh, it's just here's a bunch of stuff we already do. Let's bundle a bunch of them up and call it something. The twenty forty five or the twenty fifty fund. It's not much different than what you could do on your own, and but a lot of times there's an extra layered fee for a service that really isn't necessarily that, a service. That's that's right, and you wouldn't necessarily. You know, I wouldn't go to a let's say an uh, uh, an equity shop that manages great equity or stock portfolios and ask them to put me in a high yield bond because they they don't really specialize in that. And mutual fund complexes have a tendency to specialize in per certain sectors of the marketplace. So I actually anything over you know as I tell my clients is you, you get over twenty thousand twenty five thousand dollars in your IRA, you step away from the target date funds. It's it's time to you know. To yep. own this a little bit. And by the way, Brian, I love your analogy um, about the golf course in 600 yards. Um, and I hate golf, uh, <laughs> but I love the analogy. I shouldn't say I, I, I do too. I am. I can pull that big flat club out and I can shank majestically into the woods. I'm better with financial planning than I am with yeah, analogy. Thank you. So I appreciate yeah, yeah, it. I shouldn't say I hate golf. I'm just. <clears throat> you tried for a while. I Yeah, I. You did, right? You I joined did. a club and everything. Uh, yeah, I, my, my wife now joined you... a club, and then I went along with okay. her. Okay, a nice not... thing to do with your wife. Right? Yeah, that that was the thought, but most of the time <laughs> okay. it didn't. End. Like after fifteen Swearing holes, at each other. it wasn't. It's supposed to be relaxing, and for some it is. But anyway, Brian, thanks for joining <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, thanks, Brian. You bet. And you. by the way, I uh, I did like the Apple Jacks as a kid. Cocoa Krispies, <laughs> same thing. First ones you'd fight over, right? Yeah. Well, how many kids? Is Corn there? puffs. There were four, what? four of you. Sort of. There's I have <laughs> four. Any, and four my, my, my parents divorced and remarried, and so I had three step siblings. So I had a couple years. There were six of us in, in, the, in the household. Oh, and you get the variety pack. And finances were tight. My mom would slip the powdered milk in with the rest of the milk, oh, like yeah. mix the two, and then deny it. Oh, she would deny <laughs> oh, it. Oh yeah. Oh, we lived it. My mom made us mix it. <laughs> <laughs> but but then we'd mix whole milk with the half with the powdered milk, and it really wasn't that bad. It was but like, if you're having the cocoa krispies, you oh, want the you want the real milk. If the, the we had to drink goat's milk too, which was uh, really yeah. well, that was like that. You were hip before your time. Is that hip? It is now. Is I mean, it really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the goat cheese. Okay. Well, goat cheese. That's not exactly. We didn't make cheese, huh? Okay. We didn't have the patience for that. <laughs> we were too poor. We didn't drink the milk. We didn't have time. <laughs> All right, let's go to the calls. <laughs> I'm glad we were entertained by ourselves. We, so we used to dream about powdered milk, okay. Scott. That's how poor we were. My, we had to cut the powdered milk with just flour. <laughs> my mom and dad would say, only the rich people would drink that powdered milk. We looked up people okay. like you. <laughs> Okay. Oh, gosh. All right. Let's talk to Cynthia in Arizona. Uh, Cynthia, you're with Allworth. Hi. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, glad you joined us. What can we do for you? I have, Bring us back um, on target. Some, some, yeah, it's over up, guys. Um, I have some questions about what cost-based method to use. I have uh, a retirement and then a brokerage fund at, at Vanguard, and I have the choice of I'm probably going to pronounce this, this wrong. FIFO, which is first in, first out, uh -huh. average. Uh -huh. FIFO, H-I-F-O, which yep. is uh -huh. um, uh, 
um, high, high. Oh, wait. So the sorry. What is what is FIFO stand oh, for? Oh, FIFO, first in, first out, which means right. that that you that the, the first the, dollars you put in when you sell those. That's those. It's those first shares you're going to sell. Right, and then the average cost, and then there's uh, LIFO, which is last or, in. Or specific? Do you have an opportunity for? So you but, can do specific, yeah. But then there's this HIFO. So that's the what what I my understanding is they they will sell the highest um, the, at the price the, the highest but, price that you've bought whatever the the funds are. Okay. Yeah, but but you can't tell them I I want only long term. So you so they might right. sell. Yeah, they might sell something that's under a hold been in your portfolio for under a year, so then you have to pay. But, 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 but that's what that's when you said specific. They just gave it a different name. But why would you um, why would you sell something you held for less than a year? I, I, I'm assuming you're retired now and trying to figure out, or you're about to retire and trying to figure out the way to structure retirement income. Is that what this is about? Correct. Okay. But, and you and you said you had retirement a retirement plan. This doesn't apply to any part of the retirement plan unless you have some individual stock in your retirement plan that were actually individual stocks from the company you worked at. Right. No, I have funds with with Vanguard. It's I'm talking about my brokerage. Okay, that's um, okay. Account. Okay. Yeah, but okay. they need to work hand in hand in retirement, right? So you pay the least least amount of taxes. Yes, I, I figure it's going to take me a while to to spend down the brokerage uh, well, account, so I'll, well, well, I'll deal well, with it. But wait, but wait, what, what what are you going to live on in the meantime? Her brokerage account. I know the it, brokerage account. What a hundred? So you'll have no income, just the no, capital I, gains. I have yeah, I have capital gains and dividends and some dividends, and then I have Social Security and a pension. Okay, so the way to answer your question is, if, if you, we really need to figure out what's your can, not only what will your income be this year, but what's your projected income over the next many years, several years, maybe even decades. So, for example, if you have a large size retirement account that you allow just to continue to grow, you're going to be stuck with taking required minimum distributions at age 72. That are, and those are taxed as ordinary income. Yeah. So, right. so, so let's just walk through it. What's your, what's your pension amount on a monthly basis? Oh, it's small. It's... Um... Uh, say six hundred dollars. Okay, and how much are you receiving in Social Security? Two thousand. Okay, and how old are you? Sixty-five. And is there any other income coming in? Uh, just the capital gains and, and dividends. From, okay. And how much is in your account. brokerage account? Uh, there's about, I think there's about seven hundred thousand in there. And how much is in your IBRAs or qualified pension plans? Four hundred one k's, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, well, my my total net worth is about one point four million. Okay, so there's seven hundred thousand dollars in. What does that count? Does that include your home? No. Okay. So your retirement accounts are about seven hundred thousand. Seven hundred and five. Um, yeah, about that. Okay, and is your home paid for? Yes, it is. Okay. I mean, the the challenge with the strategy, uh, and this is why we're <laughs> we're not answering your question because it it. It's dependent on these other things. If you if you allow your your retirement account seven hundred thousand to grow for the next seven years, and let's assume you earn six percent on it at that period of time, by the time you reach uh, seventy two, you're going to have over a million dollars there. And which, your required minimum distributions are going to be almost forty thousand dollars your first year, and that's taxed as ordinary income. Yeah. So so when you when you line these up and you said, this is why I, I dug into this, is you said, oh, I'm just going to live off my brokerage account until that's used up. And then I'm going to start using my IRA. Uh-huh. That's not the way I would play it. I would, I, would, I would do it one of two ways, maybe three ways. One is I would take money out of my brokerage account and maybe then I would convert money in my IRA to a Roth IRA at the same time. Mm-hmm. Which triggers taxable income. Right. right, which means that it might be better off selling those shares that have the highest cost basis as opposed to those of the lowest cost basis, and, and those that are going to be recognized for capital gain. But how much stock do you actually have in the brokerage account versus bond? Oh, it's about sixty percent stock, forty bonds. Okay, okay. So you've got four hundred and twenty thousand in stock. I mean, but Cynthia, you've done a great job saving. It sounds like you're quite educated, and you've you've probably 
These portfolios are probably built quite quite well. And who does your taxes? I do. Okay. So here's what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to actually go into your tax return. And you, by the way, you do want to do HIFO, which are specific, right? They called it okay. HISO, which is highest. But you want to go out and make sure that you're recognizing it as capital gain, not ordinary income. Right. Uh, so what you just, the question you asked, um, and, and Scott said specific. And what you're doing is you're just identifying the specific stock that you're selling rather than just taking the last in first out. But Right. So with these specific, uh, if I if I go the specific ID um, way, then I need to I need to keep really good records because I can't I can't sell stock twice, right? That's right. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. That is your responsibility in order to track the cost basis. Or or there's software that can do that stuff for you. Yeah. Or your brokerage account may have the you may have the ability in your brokerage account. But yes, it's your responsibility. But above and beyond that, when you do your taxes this year, I want you to do some hypotheticals of converting money from your Roth IRA from your IRA to a Roth IRA. It might be just uh-huh. thirty, forty thousand uh-huh. dollars, or less. Yeah. But but what you're doing is what but, but, but the reason what we're doing is you're in a really low tax bracket, really and, low, and you're keeping and your, your social security is not even probably not even taxable. If you didn't take any distributions from your retirement account, nor have any real major gains from your brokerage account, your social security is tax free. Once you start doing either selling some of these securities or taking a withdrawal, it's going to start causing your social security to become taxable. So that's another factor. Yeah. And so the reason you're volunteering, you're converting from an IRA to a Roth IRA, or even just taking money out of your IRA and living on it would be acceptable as well. Not preferred. Yeah. You'd prefer to actually convert from an IRA to a Roth IRA is because if you don't, and you allow the IRA just to continue to grow, you don't have as much control over your taxation after age 72. Yes. Right? So what you're trying to do is to keep yourself in the lowest tax bracket to pay the least amount of taxes over the next 20 years. You're worried about, you know, the next eight years, and then you have given up the choices, a lot of the choices that you will have in terms of controlling your taxation. Where we're saying is you are in the sweet spot of addressing that now. Uh, a complication is that I'm a cancer patient, and I doubt I'm going to be around in 10 years. Okay. Well, then one thing, then it, then it changes some of the planning as well. Because... <laughs> yeah. Because the reality is, if you hold these assets until you're until you pass away, whether that's ten years or thirty years, the any capital gain is going to be forgiven by whoever receives those. Which means that yes. it gets a step up in basis. And so, who do you have yes. as your beneficiaries on these accounts? Um, most of the time, it's it's charities. Okay, and and in most of the time, it is not. What do you mean most of the time? Well, some of the time it is not. So you said most of the time it is charities. Right. I, I'd say it's 80. I, I actually, am a, um, I don't have any family. So um, I, about 20% is going to go to friends and then 80% to, okay. to charities. So here's here's what you want to you want to do is. This, change, this, oh, this, this change, and, and changes look, things it, entirely. Everything, it, it changes everything. You want the IRAs to go to the charities as the beneficiaries. Because then you avoid all the taxation. They never pay taxes on anything. They're nonprofits, right? right? And you want yeah. the brokerage account to go to your friends. Are you giving any money to charity now of any any sort? Um, not not a significant amount now. I mean, because when you're seventy, when you're seventy two and have required minimum minimum distribution, if you find yourself, if these things continue to grow and your net worth's much larger, anything that you have, you can take your required minimum distribution and direct it to charities and avoid the taxation at that time. Yes, I I. I figured that not figured out but I, but I've learned that um and I think that's a really good way to to do things. Yes. If you can psychologically. Oh, I can. That's not a problem. Okay. But the on the other end, if she finds herself 7 years out and is in great health and her life expectancy is longer, the least of her concerns is her required minimum distribution. I mean, that's at that right. point it's like <laughs> right like who cares? Uh yeah. so, right? It's a really <laughs> right. interesting yeah. Um so having said what we had stated before, like I don't think you should be – if you should not be converting for, to a Roth. Forget all that advice, we, <laughs> that great advice we gave you um, because this was – no, no, look, look, this is real. This is financial planning because um, life expectancy has a – it's, 
for us, it's all about probabilities of outcome, right? So when you just threw that wrench in there, like, mm, okay. Um, so just sell what you need. I'd, uh, I would actually just, I'd live off of as much of the bond portion of the portfolio. As I would I try to avoid could. any capital gain. Any of it. Because your social security is tax-free right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And live off the bond portion. And you're like, well, you know, is that going to be enough? Yeah, probably. And just quit reinvesting dividends on your- uh, Yeah, stop the dividend reinvestment. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. Okay. So, so, yeah. yeah, and live off the bond portion. And if you want to sell some equities, sell the highest price ones first. Yes. And I assumed your your trust is up to date. Uh, I don't really have a trust. Okay. To tell you the truth. All right. Well, then uh, we need to get on that. Right, like right now, like boom, you need to get a living trust. I wonder if I do though, because um, my my accounts are are payable on death. Yes, and you own a home. Yes, and you have and, ancillary. And I, and I did a deed. I did a deed transfer in Arizona. You can do something called a um, a beneficiary okay. deed. So you just file paper. If you are, if if you have had advice that says that you these dollars are going to something go to tells the, me Cynthia's done a lot of research yeah, on yeah, this. Yeah. So anyway, based, based upon what you've I, done we, thus far. Based on what you've told us, uh you're doing it right. Yeah. Make any I'd sell in your situation I would sell that that with the highest cost basis with the minimum amount of capital gain. And I would do everything right. in my power to keep that your taxable income as low as possible. Right. Yeah. Th- those those are my goals. So yep. so you say I. But they wouldn't be that. your goals if you told me if you had a normal life expectancy, or if you said the genetics of my family, I'm I'm betting I'm going to live to a hundred. That would be completely different. It would be completely different advice. Yeah. Yeah. I, now I realize I should have started with the cancer. Well, thing, we probably should have anyway. asked the question either the same. <laughs> but oh, we appreciate the call. By the way, we hope we hear from you in several years, and you're dealing with the required minimum distribution issues. So. Anyway, unfortunately, we're out of time. It's been great having everyone with us. Uh, If you haven't been to our website lately, allworthfinancial.com. I think you'll enjoy it. Take care. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.